Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The chapter of the Gospel of Luke. I'm reading from the New American Version. If you see some difference between the American or the, or the King James that you would be using. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me, uh, beg your pardon, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey unto a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. He went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him, and ran, and embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to be merry. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer. We thank thee, our Father, for the truth of your word as we have read it. We pray now that we would open our hearts to the understanding of what your word is, And especially uh, we ask for the outpouring of the Spirit upon us tonight as we have seen it in past nights. May thy blessings rest in our heart of those who are saved, and may the Spirit take residence within the hearts of those who have never come to know you as Savior. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I particularly want to speak to young people this evening. prodigal child. That's why the number that this group sang affected me so much. I hope it did you as well. For I can recall when I was a teenager and perhaps expressed some of the same attitudes that are expressed by teenagers in general. And that is a desire to be free from anybody telling me what to do. I can recall feeling that I had reached the age when I could make all my decisions myself. 
and I resented my dad telling me to be in at 11 o'clock. And I finally had to concede and let my kids stay out to 12 o'clock. And I think probably they will let theirs stay out to 1 o'clock. I don't know what my great-great-grandchildren are going to be allowed to do, but I can recall that I had certain disciplines that I was expected to adhere to, and like any teenager, I didn't feel like that I ought to have to yield to those things, but I found out the hard way that I had better listen to my dad, for outside our door was a willow tree. I was so glad when that willow tree was cut down because he would send me every once in a while out to that tree and required me to cut the old, my own whip with which he was going to lace my legs for being disobedient. I still feel those uh, stings on my leg and I can almost shudder in, in thinking back to that day when he disciplined me very severely for my disobedience, for my belligerence. Today I thank God for that kind of discipline that he gave me because it gave me something that I can hold on to today. And it taught me something that I needed as a parent to discipline my own children. That willow tree, if, if the, the, the twig that I brought in wasn't strong enough or big enough, I was sent back to get the second or the third that I learned I might just as well yield and cut off a good width the first time and suffer the consequences. But with tears as they run down my face, I knew all the time that my father was doing it because he loved me, but I couldn't admit that to him. I wouldn't admit it to him. You know, my dad got smarter as the years went on. Today, he's a brilliant man. When I was a teenager, he didn't know too much. I'm not sure, but I think the problem was in me and not in him. I'm glad that he had enough wisdom about him to know that he needed to discipline me at times. But we see the story here of a young man who felt that he had come of age. He could get away from home and didn't have to pay any attention to mom and dad anymore, and the law allowed him to inherit one-third of his father's wealth at the age, we would call it 21 today, I don't know what the age was at that time, when they became an adult. He could have one-third. The older son got two-thirds, but the younger son got one-third, and he was by law permitted to require it of his father, and his father would give it to him at that age. And he felt that he was now old enough to make his own decisions and to go out into the world and do what he wanted to do. And his father divided his uh, wealth with his two sons and gave the younger son the one-third and allowed him to, to go his own way, to engage in whatever he wished to do. And he set off on his own, on a journey, to separate himself from his mom and dad because he had big ideas. Young people, listen to me. Don't make the mistake that the prodigal made in thinking that parents are fuddies, that they don't know and they don't understand about what modern-day living is all about. Remember, they were teenagers once, too. 
they were young people and went through those same problems. I didn't know what was going through my father and my mother's minds the day they dropped me off at college when I started my career at Alderson Broadus. And the day that they let me out and I found my room in the dorm and, and I was excited and looking forward to, to a life on campus, a, a new experience, and my mother and dad hugged me and they cried when they left and I didn't know what that was all about. I do now. I remember when I put our oldest daughter on a plane to send her to her new husband. He had been uh, sent in the Air Force to, to Japan. She'd never been away from home. She got married and stayed with us until he got a place set. And then I had to take her to the airport and put her on that plane and say goodbye. And I remembered my mother and my father when they said goodbye to me for the first time. I remembered. And I thought that's the kind of love that parents ought to feel and ought to express. But it says something more to us than what parents feel for children and what children oftentimes don't understand in their parents. It reflects the love of God that He has for His children. When He sees His children disobedient, and going their own way and doing their own thing and wasting their lives away like this young man. So he took his third and he put it in his pocket and he went down the road thinking that he's going to go find what life is all about. And he went to a far country. He left behind his mother and his father. He was paying no attention to the tears that they shed and the concern that they had. And he lived his life, the scripture says, in riotous living. He did everything that the world seemed to offer. Whatever might be wrong, whatever might be bad, we, found, we would find him involved in it. He participated in all kinds of promiscuous living. Sex scandal that we hear today would have been right down his line. He, uh, experimented in alcohol, he would have experimented in drugs, he experimented in every kind of loose living without regard to what it might be doing to the people who loved him most. He was having a good time, he never bothered to call home or to write, not worrying about what his dad or his mother was thinking at home. Something happened. He ran out of money. It usually happens. I remember hearing of a young fellow in college that wrote home to his dad and said, and this was the essence of the message, exact words. He said, Dear Dad, no mun, no fun, your son. Dad wrote back, Dear son, how sad, too bad, your dad. Who's out of money? He had been circles with friends. Every girl was attracted to him. The young men of his age were appealing and they went places together and did things together. And they had a great life. Until finally he ran out of money and one day he went to his best friend and said to him, Hey, would you loan me a dollar? His best friend did not know him. 
Sometimes we have to learn who is valuable and who's not the hard way. Some people in society will flock around us and pretend to love us and, and think well of us as long as things are going well, as long as we can supply the money to do the things that need to be done. I can recall those times that everybody flocked around the boys in high school who had an automobile. I didn't have one. I wasn't very popular, but I guarantee you the guys who had the automobiles, the girls flocked to them. Any of you guys were popular enough to have an automobile and have that happen? Or were you one of those fellows like me that watched all the pretty girls go by because that's all you could do? They wouldn't turn and look at you anymore. You didn't have wheels. <laughs> yes, it's a good life until things get hard. Until we get down to the bare facts as to where the next meal is coming from. And he got such a, to such a place that he had to, to look for a job. The world is not going to be kind to us. The world will steal from us and will lie to us and will cheat us. I was riding with my boss today and in a car going to a meeting and we've got lots of problems across the state and he was lamenting some of these problems and knowing I was a preacher he turned to me and said Jim maybe you can tell us what this world is coming to and I said yes I can tell you what it's coming to it's coming to an end we're not going to be well treated by this world we're going to be abused and criticized and lied to and cheated on you can think in your own minds all those times that that's happening. And here he has come to a point that there's no place else to go. And he goes looking for a job and he has to go begging. He could only find one job. And for the Jew, that was really low. He went to a farmer and the farmer hired him to feed his hogs. For a Jew to feed hogs was the bottom of the barrel. And there he was out in the hog pen slopping the hogs. And it ran in his mind, gee, I'm almost hungry enough to dive into that uh, trough myself and eat the same food that the hogs are eating. I think only his pride would not allow him to do that, but he was hungry. But it brought him to a point when he began to think about what life really meant, and it reminded him of home. And he began to think, my, my father's house has plenty. Even the servants are well off. And here I am, down in the bottom, eating with the hogs, swimming around in the filth and the muck of the world. Sometimes it takes that. I think sometimes God brings us to that point. In order to get our attention, We've got to recognize that we're on bottom and there's no other way but up. Scripture says finally he came to himself. He finally recognized his condition. That is number one for anybody to become a Christian. One must recognize that he's in the bottom. He has hit bottom. There's no other way but up. That one is sinful. And in one's condition, he's gone to hell unless he makes some changes. You've got to come to yourself. 
So he says, I know what I will do. I will arise and go to my father and I'll say something to him. I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned. Now notice what he was going to say. I have sinned against heaven and before you. Two things. I have sinned against heaven and before you. If one does not admit that he has sinned against God, he'll never be saved. Never be saved. One must confess his sins. This prodigal son could not simply pick up and walk back home on his feet and go in the front door and say, Hi, Dad, I'm home. He could not do that. Look at the filth is it upon him. Look at the shame he has brought upon himself. He has squandered everything his father provided. He has abused his father's name. He left his father standing with tears running down his cheeks as he said goodbye. And he's got to go back and somehow face his father. But at least he was willing to go back. And he's going to say, Father, I have sinned and I am not any longer worthy to be called your son. There is not one person worthy of being a son of God. Not one. Our righteousness, the scripture says, is as filthy rags. And we're going to have to go to God and say, Lord, I have sinned. I am not worthy to be called your son. But it's not enough to say that. Many people want simply to say those words. But what did he do? He arose. And the scripture says, and he came to his father. He put his thoughts into action. I had a shepherd dog when I was a young boy of about nine. I loved that old shepherd dog with all my heart. But we lived in town. It was not fair to the dog to keep him tied and in town. And my grandparents owned a farm and had milk cattle and they needed a dog that could be trained to, to assist. My grandfather was getting old and bringing in the cows and so on. So we took him to the farm and left him. About a year later, we moved about a mile from my grandfather's farm. But I couldn't have my dog because he was needed at the farm. But I shall never to my dying day forget that dog. I loved him and he loved me. Every day he would come down to where I was, but when he got inside of the house, he got down on his belly and he crawled and he crawled to me just to get a hug. And then I'd have to say, Shep, you've got to go back home. The next day I could look up the road and there he was. As soon as he got inside of his house, he was down on his knees crying for a hug, knowing that I was going to send him home. Listen, we are like that to our master. Only one difference. When we crawl to him, we don't have to go back. He'll take us in and keep us. I know a young man who ran into some difficulties, had some real serious problems when he was young, teenager and he couldn't face he might have been in his 20s and he left home 
left his mom and dad, and went away for months. He didn't bother writing like the prodigal. He didn't bother calling like the prodigal. And finally one day he realized this isn't living. This is nothing but existing. That's what many people are doing, nothing but existing. He finally came to himself and he said, I've got to go home and face mom and dad and straighten out the problems. So he turned his car around and with a heart beating in his chest that he could hardly stand, he drove up the dirt road and his mom and dad saw the car. Before it got in the driveway, they were out with their arms wide open ready to receive him when he stepped out of the car. I know I was that young man. But it teaches me that there is a Father in Heaven who's got his arms open, ready to receive the wayward child of his whom he loves with all his heart. prodigal is like so many of us. Man who thinks or a lady who thinks that they know more than they know. That they've got it all sewed up. That they're going out to conquer the world. And a good friend of mine years ago used to say the person who goes out to set the world on fire will someday discover it's too green to burn. And they're going to have to come back home and face the problems that they left and be received by the arms of their Heavenly Father. How long you will remain a prodigal is only something that you and your own heart, each of us in our own heart, can say. But we can be sure that here comes the prodigal and as he starts his way home, He's covered with the filth of the hog pen. His clothes are in rags. And I believe like my old dog, when he got in sight of that house, he was down on his knees. But his father was already looking down the road. Watching for him and waiting for him and loving for the day that the child would say, Father, I've sinned. He made up his mind before he left what he's going to say to his father. And he got there. His father threw his arms around him and hugged him. And he began to pray to his father. Father, I've sinned before heaven and you. But he never got the whole statement out because he was submerged in the love of his father. And the father said, clean him up. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Put a robe on him. Take off that filthiness and clean him up for this my son was dead and he's alive he was lost but he's been found are you a prodigal you're away from god you're covered with your own righteousness which is nothing but filthiness the only way you'll ever get to god is to turn around like the prodigal and start toward home and you'll discover your heavenly father like the prodigal's father is standing there waiting and hoping with tears coming down his cheeks as well and his arms outreached 
When you start, he'll rush through to you, rush forward, and grab you in his arms, and you won't ever get to the opportunity of completing the statement that you were going to make. You won't get that opportunity because he will already have understood what's in your heart. Tonight, you can change from being a prodigal to being the righteous son of God by the forgiveness of your sin if you'll make a confession. I don't know what your age is, but if you're old enough to understand what I've said and you're not in the family of God with his loving arms around you, you can be tonight. I'm going to bow for prayer and while I'm praying, I'd like for this group to come up and, and make plans to, to sing the invitation hymn. You just go on and get your things ready while I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Will you consider in your own heart whether you're a prodigal? Whether you're out of the fold of God? Whether you're not what you ought to be in the, in the sight of God? Won't you tonight make the same trip the prodigal son made and turn around on that road of life that you're on and say, I'm going to my Holy Father. I'm going to go back to him and say, God, I'll see him. Forgive my sins. I'm not worthy to be a son of yours again. Save your soul. You'll discover that he's going to put his loving arms around you and help you put his breast. Forgive your sin and take him into his family again. As this group sings, would you stand with me? As they sing, will you come forward? Come on down.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.